Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your ever presence in our lives. Lord, we thank you for your preach and taught word that we're about to receive. Lord, we ask that it will enter into the hearts and the minds of your people and not return back to you empty or void, but to do that which you sent it out to do. And Lord, we ask that you will speak to Pastor Ray, through Pastor Ray, lose him for your glory. In Christ's name we pray, let the church say amen. 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 I want to just, uh, oh, the, there was a chili contest, wasn't there? Um, it's chilly outside. I think you'll hear more about that next week. You'll hear more about that next week. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I, there's a couple of things I just want to just reiterate that uh, Pastor Charlie just shared, and really it's, it's around next Sunday. Next Sunday, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, how do you outdo the Sunday before it? But the Lord seems to just keep doing that. Next Sunday, uh, you're going to absolutely want to be here. Next Sunday, there will the, the, be another 100 young kids sitting in the pews with us. Um, next weekend, there are, I'm sorry for fixing my mic while we're doing this. But next weekend, there will be 100 third, uh, fourth, and fifth graders who are going to spend the whole weekend with us. Uh, that's right, you heard me right, 100 third, fourth, and fifth graders who are going to spend the whole weekend with us. And they're going to go out and serve all over our city. They're coming from all over the place to do it. They're going to go serve all over our city. And then they're going to come here with us and worship on Sunday morning. You're going to want to be a part of that. You're going to want to make sure you're here for that. This first Sunday of the month when we'll have communion. And the first Sunday of the month when we'll also uh, have the ordination of our, of our first three elders that, w- that will be planted down at Wissahickon um, will be this hundred kids who are going to get to experience that as well. And there'll be some talk of, of, of chili reminders. And so, um, and celebrations for those who, uh, who, who participate in the chili cook-off. So all of that is going to be things you're going to want to be here for. It's just going to be a great Sunday. It's one of those Sundays you're absolutely going to want to bring somebody with you. Like, if you've got a neighbor here, like, I've been trying to Sunday to invite them to church. Next Sunday is the Sunday. This place is going to be, it's, it's going to be like that. Just a hundred times over. Like, it's going to be amazing. And you're going to want to be here and make sure you're a part of that. That being said as well, um, Next, uh, next Saturday night, you, if, if, you, uh, if you're available, uh, we would love to continue to sprinkle in down at Wissahickon. Um, they've got a leadership team that they've put in place, and they've got all their key roles filled, but they would love to see our friendly faces visiting with them every once in a while down at Wissahickon. So if you haven't yet experienced a Saturday night service, please, uh, please go check it out. And don't do that in lieu of what we do here. Do that in addition to what we do. This is not a time to, to shrink down. This is a time to double in. You know, this is like, this is like smorgasbord right now, okay? Like you, get, you get to get a lot of everything, okay? So uh, go check it out on a Saturday night and then come back and get double blessed by joining with us back on Sunday morning, okay? Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 God is saying something good. Matthew chapter 5, we're continuing on in the story of the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and we're in uh, this really neat portion of Scripture that, uh, that has um, a vertical and a horizontal truth in it. And we're going to try to look at that this morning. So when you get to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verses 21 to 26. Let me just hear a loud amen. I mean like a really loud, like get my blood pumping amen, okay? Amen. amen. That was a really soft amen over here. I said really loud. She was like, amen. 
And you gotta act like you're in a Nationals game with your boyfriend, okay? You know, like, scream loud. Yeah, you can ask, uh, you can ask Ms. Kim about that later. All right, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Here's what the word of the Lord says. You have heard that it was said, oh, by the way, if, you, if any of the kids are here, if you're sitting next to one of the kids, because um, we're not having children's church today, go ahead and show them, show them where we're at in the scripture. Help them to understand what it looks like to open a Bible and, 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 and train them up. Let's use this as a time to really invest in them as well. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, verse 21, here's where it goes. It says, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago that you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may, ha- may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Jesus, would you help us to hear the vertical and the horizontal call in this passage? Would you help us to to see the Mosaic law and the new law and how they are reconciled together. But greater than all that, God, would you help us to hear the heart that you have for your people? In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew is recounting the story that Jesus has taught for those who might have not been with us the last couple of weeks. The story starts off with a crowd of people, a swarm of people heading in Jesus' direction. And Jesus sees them coming And uh, his reply, his decision, is to go to the top on the side of the mountain and kind of look down, cascading down toward the people. And the people kind of gather in in a setting similar to this, except a much better preacher than I. They gather in a setting similar to this, and and he begins to teach. And kind of in the front rows of that are, are, are the disciples and those who are most intimately tied in to what Jesus is saying. And then moving beyond that all the way to the back are the people who would throw the tomatoes at them. Like, how dare you chuckle and laugh? And they would throw things. It would be that gathering. I don't know that anybody actually threw anything at Jesus, by the way. Just, I, I, what would that be like? You know, like, can we just pause for a moment? Do you ever think that, guys, do you ever think about, the, my young guys, do you ever think about this? What if Jesus had like, the ability, because he was God, right? You understand Jesus is God, right? Isaiah, you get this? Jesus is God, right? So Jesus is God, like, if God can, 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 can like, clap his hands and create something, like, couldn't he, like, freeze something in the air? Like, you imagine throwing a tomato at Jesus, and Jesus is like, what you doing with that? You know? And I just kind of picture it like the force from, no, nobody's with me on this? 
I'm not saying he did that, but in my imagination, if I was to throw something at Jesus, he'd be like, And I could just, you know, like tomato sauce all over me as a result. Now, I don't know that that's how it happened, but, um, but the point is there were people who were gathered around Jesus who were like really excited about what he was going to say. And then there were some people in the room who were like not as excited about what he was going to say. And there were some people in the room who were just like, I don't really believe anything he says. And they were all there and they could all hear him and Jesus was going to teach. And so Matthew, as Matthew tells the story, he sets it up and you can picture it this way. It's like everybody is in the courtroom, and you're looking forward, and what you see is a court case that's taking place. There's a judge, and there's a, 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 a plaintiff, and a defendant, or whichever direction they are, and, and, and these two people um, are set up to kind of uh, tell their story, and the judge is the one who gets to kind of carry out what, whether or not someone is, is, is guilty or innocent. And that picture that Jesus, that's the, kind of the word picture that Jesus gives off, and as you, as you think about that, you can then hear the, uh, the courtroom scene taking place as Jesus is teaching to the disciples. And we know that throughout the rest of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus will continue this same illustration. It'll be woven in throughout the rest of his sermon. But, but Jesus points right now to, uh, to, to a historic fact that everybody would have been able to rally around. Everybody who was there, everybody who was in the room, it would be like me saying right now, like, you know, everybody in the room who, uh, you know, who is, uh, uh, what can we all rally around? I was going to say the birds, and that, that's for the bees, and then I was going to say, you know, I, was, I, I don't know where I was going to go with this, but something that everybody could get really excited about. Okay, all right, something that everybody could get really excited What's something we could all get excited about together? Stop it. <laughs> Say something that is true. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go to somebody who I trust. Yeah. Okay, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. There's, there's nothing we can get excited about together. Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I, I see where this is going. This is this sermon is going downhill right now. Okay, I see that. I see this. All right. Anyway, picture this, picture this story that there's something that everybody could just kind of get rallied around together. Well, this is what it was back then. Jesus began to teach, and as he began to teach, he, he quoted all of Moses. And everybody was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, right? He's, you know, thou shall not murder. There was not one person who spoke up and said, no, that's a bad idea. Like, everybody was like, yeah. Yes, I am finally with this guy. He's got it. The people in the front were like, yeah, yeah, back to the basics. We're, we're in it. This is, this is baseline stuff. We're all on board. So he sets, the spa- he sp- he sp- sets it up by, by kind of quoting Moses. And, you, and, and everybody who is kind of coming out of the Jewish tradition is like, I know this. This has been written on my heart. It's like, you know, it, it, nowadays it's tattooed on my wrist. Like, I got it. I, I get it. Anybody got a wrist tattoo, by the way? No? Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. You with me. I got you. I always wanted one, just afraid it would hurt too much. Right? And so, uh, so, so, so they get it. He, he's quoting the Mosaic Law, and everybody's like, yeah, all right, finally, Jesus, we're, we're with you. Continue, please. He says, uh, you have, heard, you have heard that it was said to the people a long time ago from Moses. 
you shall not murder. Yeah, 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 yeah. And anyone who does murder will be subject to judgment. Yeah, I get it. Like, if you do something wrong, you pay a consequence. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Like, I'm with you. Okay, Jesus, that's that's it. Uh, Is that the end of your sermon? We can all go on to fellowship hour. This is really good. (laughs) But he doesn't end there. He says that three-letter word, that but. When he says but, everybody, what's going to come next? He says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with someone else will be subject to the same penalty. So let me get this so we all understand this. Jesus just said to this crowd of people that it's wrong to kill. That's all of you agree that it's wrong to kill. If your hand's not up, I'm judging you, okay? And I don't want to, yeah, I'm scared of you, actually. All right, so hands up, hands up again. This is a good exercise for us. Come, Mr. Mike, put your hand up, please. I know you believe this wrong to kill. Good, thank you. All right, all right, that's good, that's good. All right, so, so we all agreed, all right, it's wrong to kill. And as a result, um, the, the penalty, if you kill somebody, is some kind of major judgment that comes. And in that sense of, in, in that context, the major judgment that would come actually would have been your life, okay? Death for death, okay? Well, you don't have to agree that death for death is the answer, but, but, you're, but you agree that judgment, some kind, of, some kind of penalty is a good idea for somebody who kills somebody. Yes? Yes? Yes. yes? If you're against killing people, then you think penalty is a good response. Some kind of penalty, please. Yes. We we can argue later about what the penalty is, but some kind of penalty is a good idea. Okay. All right. So we're all in agreement. And then Jesus says, well, I just want to let you know that if you're angry with somebody else, the penalty that you were going to charge somebody for killing somebody is the penalty that's due you. Do you see what just happened here? Did you, did you get what just happened? Did you feel what just happened here? And Jesus said if... Uh, that's a little bit hard, right? Because this is 2000 and whatever year this is. I forgot. Thank you. 2019, right? And so in 2019, we're kind of thinking about like just laws around capital punishment and all those kind of things. That, the, the conversation wasn't quite that broad back then. It was, it was pretty simple. If you kill somebody, you're going to pay a price. going to be your life. All right? But when Jesus introduced this concept, he says, it's not just about if you killed somebody. Well, if you're angry with somebody, you're due death. What is due to you is, a, is that major punishment. I don't know about you, but I've been angry at people before. I don't know about you, but I, I mean... There's been at least one time, <laughs> once, in my life where I might have raised my voice at somebody. <laughs> at least once. And Jesus just said that there's a major penalty for doing that. Anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus does not diminish the value of life when he equates the meaning of, 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 of uh, the meaning of the heart and the meaning of the action. He doesn't diminish the value of life. He simply raises the value 
of the posture of your heart. Let me help you understand that. So the reason why there's such a harsh penalty for murder is so that we understand the value of life. So we understand the value. But Jesus says that your heart's posture has just as much value as your actual life. He doesn't diminish the value of life. He increases our alertness to his value on our heart's posture. Maybe another way to say it is this. Jesus cares about the posture of your heart. He cares about the way your heart is facing. He cares about the things that your heart is moved by. He cares about the fact that your heart is either growing or decaying. Somebody? When I allow bitterness to grow up in me. You know what it does? It erodes my heart from the bottom up. It eats away at my core. When I allow evil to kind of perv- to be pervasive in me, you know what it does? It, it decays me from the inside out. We were driving, in, uh, driving my kid to school this week, and, and uh, one of my kids asked about, about cavities. And they said, what's a cavity? And forgive me for all the people who, who really know what cavities are. I don't. I have them. I had them. I don't know what, really how to describe them. So this is the way I described them to my kid. I said, it's just like there's a sore in your tooth. And if you don't pay attention to it, it will begin to decay. It'll begin to eat away the inner part of your tooth. Of course, my kid was like, oh, can I get one of those really cool silver ones then? And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to answer this. Talk to your mom. But, but yeah, like, like what happens when we don't address the, the, the evil that's inside is that the, it literally begins to tear us apart from the inside out. So Jesus raises the alertness to say, I care so much about the posture of your heart that I'm going to help you to see that it equates to the value of life. That your heart's position equates to the value of life. In other words, you look really good on the outside, but if on the inside you're dying, I got news for you. You're dying. You're dying. If you're dying on the inside, no matter what you look like on the outside, you are dying. Jesus cares deeply about that. Jesus not only talks about it in terms of judgment from that moment, but you also hear in this passage the sense of judgment being something that has any eternal place in it as well. Moses, when Moses talked about the law, he was talking about law literal right here this day. When Jesus introduces the concept of law, he's talking about law both present and eternal. So when Jesus talks about judgment and he takes you back to the court scene, he's not talking about a judge like, you know, like somebody in a black robe who, who has a gavel. He's talking about, he's talking about the king of kings who gets to decide the final judgment for all of us. He's talking about, he's talking about God the Father who, who separates those who have yielded to God and those who have rejected God. And he's talking about an eternity that's based in, and he's talking about an eternity that's based in both the, the response of here, but the eternal response. So as he preaches to the crowd of people, and everybody takes that breath backwards, they recognize in that moment that Jesus has just taken something that was old that that they understood completely, and he had raised the value of it by contextually helping them to see how they fit in that story. You know know, know what helps us to think about this is it was likely not a single person in that space that was like, oh yeah, (laughs) 
I've killed somebody today. But there was likely everyone in that space who was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't real happy with how we woke up today. Uh-huh. It was a rainy day. It was hard to get out of the house on time. Kids were a mess. I was yelling way too much. Like, just, yeah, yeah, I, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you, yeah. And so everyone was like, I get it. I get what you're saying on that, Jesus. But it didn't feel like a, you know, Pastor, please don't end there because I'm not really excited about how that story ends right now. He goes on. Again, anyone who says to their brother or sister, Raka, Raka, that, that word Raka is, it, it, I, I, can't, I can't really get to where it's supposed to be, but it's a deep word that kind of comes out of here, but we replace it nowadays with this word. We replace it with the word moron. Moron. So if you ever want to you know, have fun with the scripture, the Bible talks about being a moron. That's a fun one for trivia later. But uh, so here, here, here's what it says. It says, uh, any, again, anyone who says to their brother or sister, you're a moron. You're answerable to the court. The word moron, as it's used there, or raka, has everything to do with being a degenerate or unregenerated, somebody who is beyond repair, too far gone. And so Jesus is saying to you, if you look at somebody and say to them, you're hopeless, you're lost, you're too far from being reached. Anyone who cries out and says, you fool, it is you who will be in danger of hell. When was the last time you allowed your mouth to say something that your heart would regret? Anybody ever guilty of that? Anybody ever speak and as you said it, you realized it was going to cut? And in the moment, you might have been okay with it, but later on you're like, ah, I should not have. Anybody ever rehearse or rehash what they said all through the night? Right? You're laying in bed or you're, you know, you're sitting at the table and you're just thinking through over and over, what did I say today? How did that go? And you're regretting your kids for, for things that you had said. Yeah, anybody? Anybody ever do anything like that? Well, Jesus actually says when you do that, when you cut somebody that low, when you, when you, when you condemn somebody, what you're actually doing is bringing judgment on yourself. You're bringing it on yourself. I don't know about you, but I'm really looking for a get past judgment space, right? Like I'm looking for the easy pass. You know, like God, just let me zoom by this one. Like I'm not really excited about someday sitting under some judgment, right? So I don't want to bring it on myself if I don't have to. But Jesus raises the bar by simply saying, like, if you ever, what you're really doing is holding just passing judgment on yourself. I know this to be true. I know there are times when I have said things that I wish I did, hadn't said or I wish I could take back. I know there are times when I, have, when I have spoken in ways that cut to the core. I know that the, that the mouth and the tongue has a lot of power, but I know this. When, when all of those emotions had passed and the regret began to set in, I knew I was also sitting under some real, oh gosh, I wish I could have, I wish I could undo that even though I can't. Jesus points to the crowd and he, he, 
spells it out real plainly. He says, if that is true of you, you're in danger of the fire of hell. Can we just, can I take a caveat over here for a moment? Can y'all come with me over here for a moment? Just, just kind of stepping away from pastoral responsibility and just kind of coming heart to heart with people. It doesn't matter what you or I believe about heaven or about hell. God has already determined the reality of it. I have a lot of feelings about what I would like heaven to be like. And I have a lot of prayers about what I hope hell is like or isn't like. But I have zero control over either one of those things. As we talked about last week, all you and I can do is yield to the authority of the Scripture. And when we get to the heavenly side, we can look at God and scratch our head and say, huh, how did that work out, God? I don't know if heaven will be, you know, the uh, yellow brick road. And I don't know if hell will be the flames of fire that we see in pictures. But what I am pretty confident of is this. One of those places will be flooded with the presence of God. And one of those places will be flooded with the tears of those who are absent the presence of God. And whether it's temporal or eternal, either way, the absence of God for a moment is way too long for anyone to want to experience. So if you're here today and you wrestle with, well, what does it mean, that fire of hell? What I can tell you is this. And Jesus was saying it clearly that everybody would understand this. It's something you don't want to be a part of. Given the choice, choose eternity with the Father. Regardless of what you think eternity without the Father is. Yes. All right? I think sometimes we, we, we find, need to caution ourselves in getting so wrapped up in the could it be or could it not be that we miss the simplicity of this. And Jesus has said clearly one of those he is very present in. And he invites us to each, each one of us to step into that with him. He's going to continue on in the story, so let's get moving. He says, therefore, if any of you are offering the gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar and go and be reconciled. That's this way, right? Leave your gift in front of the altar and go and be reconciled. Understand what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if you, you know, you, you, you took a three-day road trip, to get to the temple so that you could bring your gift. This is kind of how the story would have gone back in the day. You would, have, you would have journeyed, you know, quarterly probably, you would have journeyed, and you would have brought your gifts, and you would have laid them, you would have given them on to the church, and the church would have carried them into the holiest of places, and they would have been offered to God. But he says, when you're walking along this three-day road trip, you're, you're recounting everything that's been going on in your life. And if you remember on that road trip, you know what? Uh, my cousin Jim isn't real happy with me because of the way I talked to him. And I never said I'm sorry. When you're walking along and you remember that, you realize that, come all the way to the door, leave everything that you brought, and go back and find Jim. And once you work it out with Jim, then come on back to the door again. And that's the picture that he's saying. And, and understand this, that came at a cost. 
Y'all, it costs something to make that journey. It costs something to travel that way. And Jesus says it costs something to get there. But what that cost is, what the value in that cost is, is far less. The value in the reconciliation is far greater than what it's going to cost you to journey back and back again. Right? So pay the cost. Go, drop it, run back, work it out, and then come back. Jesus was not saying that you can't come before God unless you, you're right with everybody, but he was saying you don't come before God until you sought to be right with others. Right? So don't come in here and dress up church. Don't come in here and dress up church on Sunday if on Monday through Saturday you ain't. Right? So, so he said, work it out, work it out. Now, this is not a, this is not a, okay, I got to be good enough to be in church, right? So if you started to hear that, stop that, stop that thought, defeat that thought right now. It's not that you have to be good enough to be in church, but it's to say that what happens throughout the week really does matter. So if things are falling apart throughout the week, let's seek to make them right so that when I come before God, I can say, God, here I am. God, I've sought to make it right. God, I've gone back to Jim and I've said, I'm sorry. I've asked for his forgiveness. I have no control whether Jim forgives me. That's up to Jim. I don't even have to worry about his response. But I got to honestly go before him and say, Jim, I want to be right with you. Because it not only matters to me and you, it matters to me and God. Maybe another way to say it is this. You know, God doesn't just care about your eternity. He cares about your here and now. He created you to be in right relationship with others. He created you for the relationship you're in. And for you to give value to that relationship and invest in that relationship. He created you to be mom. He created you to be dad. He created you to be a husband. He created you to be wife. Friend, he created you to be neighbor. He created you to be in every one of the you're in, and he cares about how you handle them. How you doing today, church? How are you doing today, church? Because if we're coming to church and we're trying to dress the part, but we're not willing to walk the walk, walk it through throughout the rest of the week, we're missing something. We're missing something. That's not to devalue what happens on Sunday. It's to increase the value of what happens on Sunday by paying attention to it Monday through Saturday. Somebody, anybody? Anybody, we won't get, oh. He wraps up. Another picture of the court scene. Go settle your matters quickly with, the, with your adversaries. Maybe while you're walking on the road to get there, try to work it out. If not, it'll go before the judge, and you just never know how that's going to go. He assumes one really important part for everybody who's listening. He assumes that you begin to recognize the guilt of your sin. You know, maybe, maybe, most, maybe some of us this could be true for. Maybe some of us are here today and we're just thinking, you know what? I'm free from all the things, I've, 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 all the ways I've gone wrong. The forgiveness of God is over me. I'm blessed. Eternity, my eternity is bought at a price and it's been paid. Excellent. That's this relationship. I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you. Anybody got keys in their pocket? Anybody got keys or keys in their purse or anywhere? Yeah. Take out your keys for you. This is going to be a good reminder. Take them out. Come on, let's do it together. Some of y'all just need to, need to loosen up a little bit. Let's get them keys out. Remember, hold, up, hold up your favorite key. I want to see which one's your favorite key. Come on, hold it up. Hold it up. Okay. Car key. I like it. She likes, I can't tell. That's, that's way back. That's a little key. Well, that's all I can tell. Miss Christina, what kind of key is that she's got in her hand? That's car keys? Car keys, okay. All right, all right. Yeah, don't show off the fact that you got an eagle's lanyard. I don't want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they got the keys with the CVS quick pass back there. That's nice. That's good. That's good. So you got your keys out, right? I'm going to give you the key to eternity. Hold your keys. Hold your keys. I want you to remember this every time you touch those keys. Jesus has made this very clear. There's only one key to enter eternity. And that's for you to have confessed the Lord to be the Lord of your life. I believe upon Christ for salvation. I can't do it on my own. There's nothing I can do. Every time you touch that key, I want you to remember there's a key to eternity. It's confessing the Lord to be the Lord of my life. But watch this. That's this relationship. That's this relationship. This relationship right before God also impacts this relationship. Me being right before God also impacts me being right with others. So as I'm walking along the road and I realize the guilt of my sin, I can try to ignore it and just go to the altar and give my gifts and try to make right. Or I can drop everything and realize that God cares how Danny and I are doing. And I can go to Danny and say, Danny, forgive me. I wasn't right, and I need to be right with you. And once I've said that, once I've laid that down before him, I can walk back to the Father, and I can stand in his presence, and I can say, God, I've sought to be right with others. I have the keys to eternity in my hand. But God, I want to be with you, right by you, and right with my others. Some of us at times confuse or abuse the forgiveness of God. We confuse it or abuse it to mean that we don't need to care about this relationship. And thankfully, Jesus makes that clear. So you say, Pastor, what do I do with that this morning? Well, here, I'm going I'm to help answer that very clearly to you. This morning, would you ask these three questions to yourself? These two questions to yourself. Am I responsible for any grudges, anger, or wrongs that someone else has against me? Did I do something to provoke or cause someone else to flare up in my direction? If the answer to that question is yes, then you go. You go in their direction. You go to them and you seek forgiveness. Am I responsible for anything that has caused her or him to flare up? And if so, my response is I go. I go to you and I say I'm sorry. I go to you and I say I blew it. I go to you and I confess the wrong that I've done. The second question you might ask is, have I allowed anything in me to well up that is actually decaying me from the inside out? And if the answer to that is yes, then you come. You come to the altar and say, God, cleanse me. God, take this from me. God, heal this in me. God, not only forgive me, but make me right again. Church, the crazy part about this is, unlike killing somebody, which everybody knows when it happens. The things that Jesus calls out this morning are things that nobody will ever know except you. So these are moments that you have to take serious to say, how am I doing with God and how am I doing with others? Many of us 
have experienced being angry with somebody before. Likely somebody who we love deeply. We felt hurt, we felt rejected, we felt frustrated, and eventually it grew to anger. Let me remind you, that's decay from the inside. When we allow that to grow up in us, it erodes our core. It decays who we are. And the only thing I can ask you is, come, 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 pray, 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 but come, because I know the great healer, and I know he desires to bring healing in your life. I'm going to pray us into our last song, and Scott's going to lead us in worship, and as, uh, as we sing this last song, I want to invite you. If you're not right with somebody, make a plan right now to go. How is it you're going to go that you might get right with them? And if there's something internally that's decaying away at you, make a step, take a step today and come. We have our prayer team that's going to head to the back, and they're going to be back there to pray with you. And uh, if you want somebody, if, if something's going on, you, you want to take a step and say, I, I need to pray with somebody, just head in the back. They're there to pray with you. They'll be there through the whole song. Just head back there. It, it, forget about everything else. Run in that direction that you might, you might be able to, to come. Come. And uh, begin, to, begin to be with the healer. Jesus. You took the law that was so plainly understood. And you spoke not just of the actions of the law, but you spoke of the undergirding, the heart of the law. The actions of the law were things that people may have done, but the undergirding was the heart that was underneath of it. It was, it was my heart's not right with God. My heart's not right with others. And you raised the value, the importance on that heart. So God, before we run out of the sanctuary and go back to everything else we got to do today, before we go play in the rain or, or before we go enjoy a time together of fellowship, th this is a moment, God, that you can create, that you can have. We'll just pay attention to our heart. God, maybe, maybe we just need to go to one of our kids or our spouse or a friend, a neighbor, and say, I'm sorry, forgive me. But maybe we just need to come to you and say, I'm right with others, and that's fine. But there's something in me that just isn't allowing me to be at peace. That's decaying me. That's eroding me. I feel like I'm standing in the sand, and I just keep sinking and sinking and sinking. God, I want to I wanna stand firm again. So Jesus, during this song, far beyond if you desire, but during this song, God, would you, would you just allow our hearts to be postured in your direction? And if we, need to, if we need to go, allow us to make a plan to do that, and if we're ready to take a step and say, I want to pray with somebody that I might come and, and be right with you, God, then allow us to step out of our pews and head to the back and pray with somebody that we might begin pay attention to that which is eroding away at us. God, only you can. So we yield to you now. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.